please send email to gordon at dutchnews.nl to complain about the puns used in this podcast. Friday, February 22nd, 2019, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, Dutch News contributing editor and famous person in Limburg, and with me today is Gordon Derrick, my fellow contributing editor at Dutch News and recycling container party organizer. Our third musketeer, Paul Peters, is still missing, and honestly, maybe somebody should contact the police. I don't think they should. No? Should just, just, no just, just leave he's him to just fate. disappeared somewhere yeah, in Brabant. he's from the face of the earth. We have no idea he's where he is. He's fallen into a GIF or something. <laughs> One of his own GIFs. So how's your party organizing going Gordon? yeah there was a party in my neighborhood i'm very excited about it it's been organized by the community it's just a public event so i think i'm safe to tell everyone about it i um, think but so it's too. all about there there's a new set of recycling containers being well they, they have already been actually um they're put into my uh, the street just around the corner from where i live but they're actually having a public event a four-hour opening ceremony they're calling it wow uh, the local um no uh, a former mp lisbeth van tongeren who is now a uh, an alderman in the hague is going to be there there's going to be a demonstration by the uh, bin men which i'm really interested in and a workshop it's really exciting that I think is yeah uh, the netherlands is just such a charming country sometimes. it's such a great thing like... you have a party it's not even the first recycling container in the street this no, is just a new set it's just a new set yeah. and they, I need think, a, you know, they need a four hour party for it yeah, I love but, it but I think as a ceremony and certainly in terms of the turnout this is going to approach the Trump inauguration oh for sure yeah. definitely yeah. definitely and how have you got to be famous in uh, Limburg this week <sighs> man so on Monday on Twitter I, uh, I, I had the dishonor of going viral um, <laughs> <laughs> with, on Kane style as well I, I went and out. ended up on Kane style yeah. as well no I uh, I tweeted a photo from the NOS journal like a screenshot of a campaign banner uh, about the start of the provincial elections, uh, which we're going to talk about later in the podcast, from the Forum for Democracy banner uh, in the local party in Limburg. And uh, they had used a really beautiful church on this banner. Um, It is from Limburg. It's a lovely red brick church. Yeah, it's really nice. It's just from Limburg, Germany, not Limburg, the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, Limburg under La, isn't it? Yeah. It's a place in town, Germany. And you had some quite uh, enlightened conversations with members of the intelligentsia on the back of this, didn't you? Of course I did. So I tweeted a <laughs> screenshot of this with the caption, does the Forum for Democracy want to make the Netherlands German again? Yeah. Which I was quite proud of. Uh, and it went viral. And so then I spent Monday morning talking to every like local newspaper <laughs> in Limburg uh, about my experience mm. of this. And then, of course, it immediately attracted a lot of attention, uh, on both on Twitter, but it also ended up on garbage places on the internet like Hain style yeah. and uh, yeah that was uh, it was an experience but it's yeah. blown over now so everyone's yeah. forgotten that I exist everyone's attention good. span has expired so, so there we are so that was your moment that was your 15 seconds this of fame this is my 15 seconds of fame yeah so uh well, speaking of Twitter, that brings us on to the op for the week. This is a great op This is a great op from the great all-time great op I think, so far. Yeah. Uh, this concerns Rutger Brechmann, who is a Dutch journalist and historian, who went viral with some comments. Um, he went viral before uh, with uh, um, a speech he gave, or a talk he gave, at the World Economic Forum in Davos in Switzerland, yeah. uh, where he basically said that people should stop flying to Switzerland to talk about climate change. Ironic. Um, yeah. He also raised the issue of tax avoidance by the rich, and a video of his speech was widely shared on the internet, uh, praised by the likes of um, uh, former presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. I think current presidential is he, candidate. Is he, is he standing again? Is he? I, I, I mean, officially, they, <laughs> they haven't registered yet, so they haven't right. declared yet, but like, 
Yeah, I think so. Anyway, uh, Brechtman was invited by Fox News' Tucker Carlson uh, to give an interview, banning on his comments uh, on his show on Fox News. But when uh, Brechtman, uh, in a, in a pre-recorded um, uh, talk uh, before the interview, started criticising Tucker and other Fox News journalists for being, quote, millionaires funded by billionaires, Tucker lost it. Yeah, uh, lost uh, his mind. Yeah, to, to put it bluntly. And started calling Brechtman, quote, a fucking moron. Yes. With a tiny brain. Yes. That was another phrase he used. Yeah. Um, Fox News decided against airing the interview. Unsurprisingly. Uh, Surprisingly, uh, but Bechman had recorded it uh, with his phone, or someone in the studio had in the, in the event, and uh, he released it on Twitter earlier this week. Yes, and it went quite and it viral. went quite viral. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, more viral than my tweet went. Thankfully, yeah, lots of news sites shared it as well. Yeah, uh, and in the end, Fox News actually ended up sharing it, or Tucker Carlson personally. Yeah, he so replied I tried to explain to why he'd. Uh, he said, "Yeah, we couldn't air this because I started swearing." Yeah, basically. yeah, and somehow that was Bechman's problem. Yes, that was. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah so it was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was interesting. It's worth watching. I think his original. Davos video uh, and the uh, Tucker Carlson interview, which is quite entertaining. This week, we will discuss the start of provincial elections, update you about the closing of a border in Venezuela, and Gordon has a bunch of sports news that no one actually cares about. In our discussion, we'll talk about a proposal to send international kids to Imburgering Preschool. The Netherlands is going to the polls in a month, and it does not look good for the current coalition government. On March 20th, Dutch nationals will go to the polls to elect 570 new members for the 12 provincial councils. Those councils will elect the 75 members of the Senate, or the Eerste Kamer, as it is called in Dutch. The current coalition government has a slim majority in the upper house of parliament, but that is almost certain to disappear when the new Senate is chosen by the provincial councillors on May 27th. So what uh, are the current polls saying? The Piling Visor poll, which is an amalgam of six separate opinion polls, uh, put support for the VVD, which is currently the largest party in the coalition, between 16 and 19 percent, which is down the equivalent of seven seats on its performance in national elections in March 2017. The Christian Democrats, or CDA, are down 19 seats to around 11 to 13, and the Liberal Democrats, the Decesa Sestug, are down 19 to 11 to 12. Christian Uni, by contrast, would win a couple more seats from its current total of five. Yeah. This is all seats in the lower house, which yeah. I point out, not the Senate, which has half as many seats. Yeah, exactly, yeah. but that's like sort of how proportionally yeah, we like can yeah. do the polling. Yeah, that's how the poll is done here. Yeah. Uh, the PVV is holding out at about 13% of the vote, which is sort of where they were at in the last election, but Terry Baudet's Forum for Democracy is per projected to do well uh, with about 8 to 10% of the vote. They were yeah. like 5% or so. I two. think at the election they got to sort of around 4%. They ended yeah. up with two seats. They ended up with two so seats. That would actually be about 6% of the yeah, vote. Yeah, so yeah. somewhere around. So the upshot of this is that the coalition would lose its uh, majority in the Senate, um, yeah. which obviously makes it more difficult to get its legislation through. But yes. that's not going to happen until May because there's an electoral college, which we'll talk about probably in a podcast near the time. Yeah, it's yeah. slightly confusing. We're not going to get up yeah. to all that today. Um, but, the, but only Dutch nationals can vote in uh, this election, right? In provincial elections, yes, um, but water board elections are held on the same day, um, and they are open to everyone living in the Netherlands, regardless of nationality. Um, so you should get your stem pass in the mail ahead of the election. If you don't get one and you think you should vote, you should contact your local Hamenta. And just as a reminder, uh, European Parliament elections take place on May 23rd, which are open to all EU citizens. Yeah, indeed. Did you see that in Amsterdam there's a gay rights party contesting the water board elections? I did see this. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> I I find that you know I'm I'm just glad we live in the Netherlands. It's Netherlands. just so exactly. charming here. Yeah. <laughs> This is such a pro-Netherlands podcast today. <laughs> 
things don't always run like clockwork in the Netherlands. Uh, the Dutch government has had to admit it used the wrong figures when it calculated how much energy bills will go up by this year. I don't even understand how this happens. No. I think the short answer is, is, is they pretend that they can project to right. the nearest cent how much your bill's going to go you up. Can't. And it turns out, actually, it's all guesswork. Yeah. So on Monday, the statistics agency, CBS, said the average bill would rise by 334 euros a year, which is more than double the earlier estimate of 150. The Ministry of Economic Affairs blamed the blunder on the fact that the Environmental Planning Agency was too busy working out the cost of the government's climate change plans to come up with up-to-date figures on energy use. The increase is due to higher taxes on energy use, a €50 rise in the amount households pay towards sustainable energy subsidies, and the effect of scaling back gas extraction in Groningen. So uh, this is a little little awkward for the government, isn't it? It's very awkward for the government because this issue has been a bit of a hot potato um, and the government has been accused over the last few months of making ordinary households pick up too much of the tab for the cost of its plans for sustainable energy, not just by opposition parties, but also by some of its own MPs and coalition parties. So this debacle will add fuel to their demands for everything. Uh, Fifi Day group leader Klaus Dijkhoff went on record a few weeks ago as saying he'd rather let the coalition collapse than allow the cabinet's energy plan to go through in its entirety. That caused friction with Deisers and Zester, who are very in favour of ambitious climate change legislation. Christian Democrat leader Sivan Buma has said he's worried that the sharp rise in energy taxes will put people off the government's climate change plans. For the opposition, Socialist Party leader Liliana Marianison demanded that the government should compensate citizens for the unexpected spike in their bills. And Labour MP William Morlach said, quote, it would appear that spending power estimates are based on mathematical models designed by magician Hans Klock. Yeah, savage. Yeah. Man, that sometimes the opposition has some such good zingers. Some good one-liners. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Eric Vibus had some comments, right? Yes, he's the Minister for Economic Affairs. He's refused to say what effect all this is going to have on spending power or the infamous Kolpkrachtplatches, oh which God. are these uh, ridiculously detailed tables that the government comes up with when there's any big economic policy which magically predict that everyone will have more money to spend. Right. But he's insisted the effect will not be significant and he said this week, quote, life consists of more than just energy, which oh. if nothing else proves he's not a physicist. Yeah, I don't know. We noticed the uh, the uptick in the uh, energy bill. Yeah, like me it's, too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got my energy bill for this month and it wasn't pleasant reading. No, yeah. And I was, we were, both of us were quite surprised. I mean, yeah. we'd expected it to go up, but not by this much. And yeah. it's definitely going to make a difference in our budget. I think definitely, well, exactly. And I think people are often getting their first new energy bill either around about this time yeah. or in the last few weeks. And as the election is coming up in a month's time, I think this could really be a big factor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the problem is, is that because the estimate was so far off that you had some expectation that it was mm-hmm. going to go up so like we were kind of prepared for that yeah. but like not nearly to the degree that it did go up so it was yeah it was a bit of a shock no that... I mean the average bill has gone up it's now over 2,000 euros a year yeah which is a, that's a, you know, it's a lot of money household. it's a lot of money yeah. yeah in the context of a time when wages have gone up very little yeah exactly other costs have gone I mean up I didn't get a 2,000 euro pay raise last no, year indeed so, and plus uh, you know you're spending more money in the supermarket now yeah, because the low rate of BTV has gone up gone up yeah, yeah. exactly A young British woman who is being stripped of her British nationality because of her support for IS may make an appeal to the Netherlands because her husband is Dutch. Shamima Begum is currently living in a refugee camp in Syria with her newborn baby son, and she wants the British authorities to bring her home. Now aged 19, she went to Syria with two friends when she was just 15. She claims to be married to a Dutch Muslim convert, Yago Riedijk, who is 27, and is apparently being held in a separate refugee camp. Riedijk, who is from Arnhem, joined IS in 2014, and reportedly married Begum within three weeks of her fleeing Bethnal Green in London for Syria in 2015. According to Begum, they had two other children, both of which have died. Under the 1981 British Nationality Act, a person can be deprived of their citizenship if the Home Secretary is satisfied that it would, quote, be conducive to the public good and that they would not become stateless as a result. 
The UK government has claimed that since Begum's mother is from Bangladesh, she is eligible for a Bangladeshi passport and thus would not be stateless. However, according to the Bangladeshi government, she is a British citizen by birth and has never applied for dual nationality with Bangladesh, so she would not be allowed to enter the country. And presumably there's another spanner in the works here because she would actually have to apply herself for Bangladeshi nationality. Yeah. For this to work. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean... They're not just going to confer on it, certainly not somebody like her. No, she's not a dual passport holder. Yeah, they're arguing that she, like, would be eligible and thus would not be stateless. I think there's a lot of questions about, like, whether or not this would actually stand up in UK court. I think there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not the government could get this past the courts. Yeah, Um, which, and I mean, this seems absurd to me. That it does seem absurd, yeah, that you just simply strip somebody of nationality. Yeah, and um, render them stateless. Yeah. yeah. Well, which you can't do under international law, yeah. so it's not allowed. But the reason that we're talking about this is because she has married a, a Dutch citizen. Indeed. Uh, so what does the Dutch government have to say about all of this? Hard pass. Mm. Steph Block has said, though not specifically about this case, that the Netherlands has no plans to bring back IS fighters. Under Dutch law, to apply for a residency permit for a partner, you have to demonstrate you've been living together for a number of years and meet other requirements. It's not clear that she could do that. No, um, and I think it's take us so on it uh, on twitter from someone who understands these things much better is that you would have to be living together as a married couple in the netherlands for three years before you're eligible for mm. nationality was it two years oh for nationality, I mean, yeah. For nationality yeah i think yeah. she could apply if the but circumstances you, were more like quote-unquote normal i mean if it, yeah. you know you just were like a dutch person who had met someone while you were on vacation and you had a long distance relationship with them and wanted to bring them here like mm. it is possible to do that that you can apply for like a residency permit yeah this is not about residency permits this is about nationality yeah so she this wants, she wants to actually become a dutch citizen, dutch citizen. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's very unclear whether or not that can happen. Although I think I'm a little skeptical that the Home Secretary is going to be allowed to go through with this. It seems to me, I mean, I'm not like a British legal scholar, but that like, you know, this basically renders her stateless and the law explicitly says that she can't be rendered stateless. Yeah, this is basically a bit of a stunt, isn't yeah. it? Although it's been dismaying to see how many people have been cheering the government on there and saying this is a great thing yeah. that this woman is not going to be allowed back into Britain when actually what the government is trying to do is just uh, erode the concept of citizenship by jumping on a populist bandwagon, which yeah. is never a good look. No, I had a good discussion with Ben Coates and Matt Steinglass, who's the yeah. uh, European reporter for The Economist, about this. And all three of us were sort of like slightly queasy at the idea of countries stripping citizenship rights from their citizens. Yeah, just like, arbitrarily. Yeah. And there was a lot of discussion about like, you know, you could strip it from Boris Johnson because he was born in the US yeah. and thus is eligible for an American passport. I think someone's raised a point that basically every British Jew could potentially have their citizenship revoked if this procedure was established in law. Yeah. Or yeah. anyone that that has Irish family and stuff. And it just seems absurd to me. I mean, this girl was born in the UK, has never been to Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that you're just going to strip her of her British citizenship and send her to Bangladesh seems crazy to me. And to compel her to take the nationality of her mother. It seems seems madness to me. It's it's kind of sinister when you think about it. In sports news, Ajax closed the gap at the top of the Eredivisie to four points by thrashing bottom club NSA Breda 5-0 on Sunday. PSV could only salvage a point against an out-of-form Heerenveen in the 95th minute. As at Alkmaar are now two points behind Feyenoord in the battle for third place, the Cheeseheads beat VVV Venlo to record their fifth win in a row since Christmas, while Feyenoord went down 1-0 in Groningen. PSV are also unhappy with the Cannes-based decision to reschedule Ajax's match against Pex Vola by 11 days so they got more time to prepare for what's almost certainly their Champions League swan song in Madrid next week. Pex Vola's technical director, Gerard Nijkamp, said the club has not ruled out taking legal action. I 
hate when you write sports questions for me because I'm just supposed to read this thing and I yeah. literally have no idea what any of the words mean. We'll just read it. So it's in what, the script. what's the KNV Bay's defense? Uh, they say they're acting in the best interests of Dutch football uh, because Ajax is the only team that can improve the coefficient in European football. Do you want me to tell you what that is? No, not no, at all. I won't then. Thank you. They said the clubs have also uh, made agreements between themselves about uh, making room for teams that are playing in Europe. Spokesman Jan Blausen said, quote, Ajax is the only Dutch club which can bring in points for the UEFA rankings which means basically improves the chance of getting more clubs in the Champions League in future seasons. Okay. That's all. Uh, uh, but they're not going to get any points um, in, in this match because they're going to lose. So okay. it's kind of irrelevant. There you go. Yeah. Uh, is there skating news? Yes, Irina Schouten continued her glittering season by winning the marathon at Lulea in Sweden. It was her first race this year on natural ice uh, after she's won 12 marathons on artificial ice and the world mass start title at Insel in Germany. Hmm. There's a place called Insel. Of course yeah. there is. Yeah. It's in Germany, of course it of is. Of course it does. Yeah. Maybe uh, the <laughs> Forum for Democracy, I'll put it on a campaign poster. Probably will. Yeah. yeah. This weekend, it's the turn of the sprinters, who are competing in the World Championships in Hierafein over 500 and 1,000 metres. Yeah, well, good luck to them. Yeah. Venezuela closed its sea border with Aruba, Curaçao and Bonaire this week, which means boats and aircraft from the Dutch Caribbean islands won't be allowed to land. The government didn't give an official reason for the closure, but it's widely thought to be prompted by the Dutch government's plan to use the islands as a base for sending humanitarian aid. Venezuela's president, Nicolas Maduro, says the aid operation is part of an international mission led by the United States to overthrow him in favour of opposition leader Juan Guaido. This is uh, not the only source of tension between Venezuela and the Netherlands this week, right? No, because earlier this week, a delegation from the European Parliament, which included Dutch MEP Esther de Lange, was turned back at Caracas Airport. Uh, de Lange said the group had been invited by Venezuela's Parliament to observe efforts to get food and medical supplies to the population, and said that the decision not to allow them into the country would have consequences. Yeah, I'm, yeah this is such a mess, this whole Venezuela thing. Indeed, and this morning we've have seen that, uh, that Venezuela has now closed its border with Brazil, yeah. and is uh, contemplating closing the border with Colombia as yeah. well. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't had uh, some very supportive statements on this from Kate Wilders. He's all about closing borders. Yeah, he? that's he true. He likes that idea. He does like that. Yeah. He hasn't tweeted anything uh, no. in, in favour. No, no, right? no dicht. Yeah, especially as they're closing the borders to the Dutch Caribbean islands, yeah. which he wants to do as well. Yeah, for sure. Maybe there's a precedent. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. I'm surprised. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's like got a pet cold or something. His hair's rebelled. Or, maybe he's just yeah. too busy yammering on about Brexit. We'll be discussing embarkering requirements for two-year-olds after this word from our sponsors. Stay up to date with the news about the Netherlands with Dutch News. Dutch News is the country's leading English-language news website, bringing you the latest in news, politics, sports and more every day. We cover all of the news about the Netherlands in English for an international audience. You can find Dutch News online at dutchnews.nl or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at dutchnewsnl. The children of parents who were required to pass integration exams before they came to the Netherlands should by law attend preschool so their Dutch is up to scratch when they start ordinary classes, according to coalition partners the Baby Day and the CDA. So, should international children take imburgering preschool? Where does this whole idea come from? Well, we all know Klaus... No-show Dykoff. Yeah. The Vevey Day parliamentary leader told the ADE last year that people from problem neighborhoods who commit crimes should face double the penalties of people living elsewhere, and that parents should be forced to send their children to daycare so they can learn Dutch language and culture. He also backed the introduction of compulsory lessons in, quote, democratic values and traditions, and argued that people who do not cooperate should face benefits cuts. Right, so this all sounds quite progressive then. And this is based on uh, something that had been trying in Denmark, uh, right? Yes, the Danish government has passed or is proposing a series of measures aimed at, quote, 
uh, preventing immigrant ghettos. Mm. Those are their words, not yes. mine. Yeah, Do not be... send the hate mail about no. ghettos to, yeah, to me. Absolutely, but it's interesting that ghettos is a term used by the Danish government to describe social housing schemes created by the Danish government. Yes. Which they now decided have failed. Yes. Yeah. Um, this includes uh, forcing immigrants to put their children into daycare for 25 hours a week from the age of one, automatically doubling the sentences for crimes committed in quote-unquote ghetto areas, threatening long fines or even prison sentences for anyone who fails to report parents suspected of hitting their children, setting quotas on kindergarten so that they can have no more than 30% of their children from immigrant backgrounds. These measures have been widely criticized. Dykoff seemed to think they were a great idea. Um, he's not alone. The Tate, the Tweedacomer held a debate on the subject this week. Yeah, and uh, what's being proposed then uh, by the government? So in this debate, the focus was on how children who are not learning Dutch at home, because that's not the family language, are at a disadvantage when they start school. In the Netherlands, um, this ha- children start school when they turn four. Uh, so the Vevi Day and the CDA would like to see children whose parents must pass the embarking exams uh, to be obliged to go to preschool starting at the age of two. Age of two, so com- compulsory schooling from the age of two. two. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess an important um, uh, gloss on this is that uh, uh, in Scandinavia, where the, the idea came from, you don't have to go to school till you're six. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot, the, the, the preschool phase is a lot longer. Longer, yeah, yeah that is correct. Yeah. Um, but kids here can, there are already preschool facilities, right, for children of that age? There are. Um, and if it's a concern that the child might have a delay in language abilities, because either you or your partner have an education level that is lower than MBAO3, or the kids are being raised in a, quote, language-poor environment, you can, together with your doctor, decide that your child needs a Vorskol Indikatsi, or a preschool indication. Um, it's not obligatory, and the Vevide and the Seireya are pushing to make this mandatory. They're saying that uh, people who are in this situation are mm. not taking advantage of the fact that this preschool... Yeah. Uh, option is available. And the preschool indication then entitles you to what a state funded uh, preschool state funded um, preschool from the age of 2. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so, so what seems to be what was introduced really is a kind of um, measure to integrate um, families who are deprived or yeah. have got low education level is now becoming an obligation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um but and not an obligation level for No, for the expat kids. Nope. No, because Do you want to do you want to ask Gordon? Ask the question. <laughs> yeah. Does this include expat kids? No, expat children are explicitly exempt. Yes, but in what did the actual what's the actual detail on this? How does the government define expats and expat families? It doesn't. No. It just says that expat children are explicitly yeah. exempt. Um so But I take it this in this refers to people who are not in the country permanently, who are um mainly is it is people who are just here for a couple of years because yeah. their companies moved them to the So numbers. well the government has this sort of designation for what what a quote unquote expat is, which is like a discussion for a whole other day. <laughs> but um basically that like if you're if you move here for work and you're here temporarily yeah. Um, the problem with that designation is is that you know many people like me came here for work yeah. and then you know seven years later bought a house and I'm like exactly. making stem pot for dinner tonight. And you got a Dutch partner. Got a Dutch partner. Yeah. Like I have a Dutch. I have a dog that refuses to speak English. I yeah. mean, like you know, this is this is. I am not an expat. I am an immigrant. Yeah. Um, so would your dog qualify for preschool? Um, uh, a preschool indication. I, I think? think he probably yeah. would. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because we speak English at home mostly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe we should look into this and find out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I assume that this is a lot of racism because they are just basically wanting people who are coming from countries where you're required to do this, like, embarking prior to coming, which is pretty much like non European, yes. non uh, non English speaking, non English speaking, non white countries. countries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, and so, so Dacoff, he came up with this idea back in the autumn, and uh, but I seem to remember that that was kind of uh, voted down by the Toyota Kama. Yes, the proposals that Dacoff was talking about originally also included this, like, increase in criminal penalties and these sorts of things, and mm. they were pretty roundly, like, shut down um, during the debate about this in the autumn in the Toyota Kama. Socialist leader Lilian Marinison had an excellent zinger during that debate, and she said, uh, Dacoff seems to be suggesting that he wants to introduce class justice, so that also go for Zaudos, where fraud is more prevalent. That's yeah. referring to the Amsterdam business yeah, district. Yeah, Dijkhoff's reply was he didn't see, he didn't recognize the Zaudos as a criminal uh, area. But yeah. He also doesn't recognize that this party is, uh, you know, is riddled with like uh, pr- corruption and uh, right. Um, you know, uh, well, underhand deals with local drug dealers in Brabant. Wh- white collar crime, <laughs> totally fine. It's yeah, like when brown exactly. people commit crime yes. that we've got a, that we've got an issue. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, but benefit fraud is a terrible thing, but um, d- d- tax fraud t- is, t- yeah, yeah, is ma- mass diff- tax avoidance yeah. and doing deals with Starbucks is perfectly okay. Yeah, of course. Um, So, yeah, but given that it was um, uh, pretty roundly uh, kicked out by the Trader Karma, how's this got back on the agenda? Um, I guess they don't have enough to worry about with Brexit. I get the feeling, I mean, nobody has said something explicitly about this. I get the feeling from interviews with Dykhoff that he feels like really strongly that immigrants need to do a better job integrating. Um, And he's looking for something that seems more palatable than his like crime related proposals, which people seem to be real uh, unsympathetic. Yeah, there's a lot of pushback about it. And the advantage as well, I suppose, is that he's taking an existing thing, which is the uh, childcare. And so there's not, it's a much smaller step than what he was proposing previously. It's less radical. Yeah. uh, So it's more likely to get through. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there was a debate on Wednesday about this. Yeah. Um, and what was the uh, cabinet's response? So the the debate, this debate on Wednesday seemed to go a little more like pleasantly. Yeah, the uh, way for, that for uh, Dyke wanted it to go. Yeah. Uh, Minister Walter Colesmace, who's the integration minister, um, said he was going to, quote, explore whether or not preschool child care uh, for migrant children should be mandatory. Um, he said he aims to report back to the Tweedacomer before the summer. He's going to do some investigation into this kinds of right. stuff. Okay. I'm interested in the fact that uh, Walter Colmace uh, also last week said he wanted an investigation into um, weekend schools run by uh, immigrants uh, for immigrant children. Uh, yeah, so... so, so um, yeah. Well, but if there's, they're two to four years old, then maybe it's okay. Anything yeah. besides that is a problem. No, but I think it's more the point that um, they, they want um, uh, preschool education for migrants but they don't want migrants to actually be involved in organising or teaching it. That would no. be terrible. No, of course not. Yeah. So what do you think generally? So I am of, I am of two minds. Um, there is a lot of research into education that shows, broadly speaking, by the age of four, it's like too late to improve outcomes from children from disadvantaged backgrounds. I mean, this is like pretty pretty well established in the academic literature about like preschool education. Um, there's lots of countries, including the U.S., that try to encourage some form of preschool, um, especially for people who come from socio-economically uh, disadvantaged backgrounds or from parents that are like having other difficulties, mental health problems, these sorts of things, um, mm. where kids do end up at a disadvantage. And there's a lot of evidence that shows that basically like if you don't get to kids early to to have some kind of intervention in their educational outcomes that like it by four it's almost like too late to make differences Mm. that children's brains develop in such ways that you really need to like do a good job of teaching them like sort of basic skills you know by the age of before the age of four um so in generally speaking i am like pro preschool however um, you know, this proposal is about like integration. It's like kind of weirdly racist. Mm. Dykoff has made some quotes about like compulsory lessons and like quote democratic values and traditions. 
It sounds a lot like re-education camps to me. Um, yeah. What I would be in favor of is if Dykoff just said, let's just have compulsory preschool from the age of two on, which I think would do something to solve another problem, which is, is that women end up disadvantaged in the workforce because their kids don't go to school until the age of four. So now you have to like sort out daycare. Whereas if your kid was going to some sort of like regimented schooling at the age of two, mm. that like you would also sort out this like child care issue. And then it's not a thing that like just those weird foreigners have to do where like you're going to end up with questions, I think, about the curriculum and what they're teaching. But this is just like a common thing where everyone goes to preschool at the age of two. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Gordon? You have kids, so maybe you have like different opinions on this. Um, well, I think I mean, I'm generally like you, actually, in very much in favour of early inter- intervention and um, giving family support to raise their kids. It's really hard in the early years, and especially as my children went to nursery and uh, their autism was picked up first by the nursery. Yeah. I mean, they could see when they were in a room full of other children how differently they behaved, and that was where uh, the um uh that yeah that was what was the impetus really for um, going through that whole diagnosis process which might otherwise not have happened until they got to the age of 5 where right. as you say it, it, it's a lot harder to intervene and right. and, and to get appropriate uh, therapy and support so yeah it's really good that the government wants to support and give assistance to families however but this isn't supporting them this no. is wanting to take them out of the family situation and put them into a compulsory right. preschool um system which is all about uh, and, and in the, uh, on the danish model is all about not just um, uh, giving them early dedication, but also instructing them in Danish values, yeah. whatever they are, yeah. which I've got a nasty feeling is something that would also be imported along yeah, with this. exactly. So it's taking them out of their background. And it's not integration anymore. It's more leaning towards assimilation, right. which is, I think, is a very worrying trend. Uh, yeah. That you're, you're, you're seeing this, uh, that uh, families and people from uh, other cultures are now being expected to, to, to uh, being lent on, or there's this, this obligation of them to, you know, to, to fully adopt wholesale uh, the culture of the country they're living in, rather than have a balanced um, situation where, of course, you want children to be aware of why we celebrate Christmas, why we celebrate Easter, but not feel compelled that they have to prioritize that or promote it over the com- the culture of the. Uh, the, uh, the country their parents come from. I think we need to have a, a discussion on this podcast about, like, the difference between integration and assimilation. Yeah. And, like, I would be curious. I would also like for Paul to be here because, like, I think it's nice to, like, have, sort of have, like, a bit of a Dutch perspective. But I I had, like, given this zero thought um, until probably a few years ago because I had just, like, moved so much that it wasn't an expectation that you were going to assimilate anywhere or integrate mm. anywhere. Um, and it wasn't really until like I started dating a Dutch person and spending a lot of time with their family that they, I think everybody kind of realized like how culturally different like things can be. I mean, like coming from the U S I mean, things here don't seem that different, right. That we can all kind of like poke fun at like, I don't know, like, uh, Dutch people like drinking, you reusing tea bags 15 times because they're cheap, right? It's kind yeah, of like funny things. Circle at birthday parties. Yeah, okay. but like, yeah. you know, it's not really like, th- there's not really like a, a clash, I think, between a lot of those things. It wasn't until I really started spending a lot of time with like real, like r- real quote unquote Dutch people. So mm-hmm. like Dutch people who are not like working in an international environment, which is like, I think my exposure before that I kind of realized that like there's a lot of 
cultural and like social differences mm-hmm. and like learning how to navigate those is, is can be tricky and difficult. Yeah. Um, but let like the, the reason I think that I feel, I mean, we were talking earlier in the podcast just about like how pleasant we find it to be here. Right. That like, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, this is so nice that there's like a queer party in Amsterdam for yeah. standing for the water board elections. So that like, it's so nice that like, it's so charming that they're going to throw a, a welcome party <laughs> for your recycling bins. Mm. Right. But I think part of the reason that we're so, positive about some of these other things is because nobody ever made us like no. told us that we were like not integrating properly right exactly. like no one ever says this to me and so you just sort of feel like no you're not as resentful at the culture no and, you haven't felt the sharp end of it and you haven't felt the pressure or the obligation um to uh, to, to integrate or to adopt dutch yeah. culture whether you like it or not I mean, yeah. we, we don't really have a very positive view of um dutch culture but it's a different thing i think when you've been on the sharp end of racism yeah exactly um and so i think they're almost no, i think there's, a, there's an underlying assumption here i think that your know, dutch culture is uh, inherently superior, superior and that therefore and, and moving from, from say a muslim culture to a dutch culture is a progression which yeah. should be encouraged yeah. rather than saying taking the attitude that you know you have you have what you've always actually had in practice in this country which is a mix uh, of cultures and it's always been a country of immigrants and new arrivals they dug up a churchyard i was reading on twitter the other day um i think somewhere down in zealand uh, from the 12th century and they found 26 bodies of which about 11 of them came from other parts of europe yeah which in those days was the ex- the ends of the world you know we didn't know about america right. and, yeah. uh, and most of asia so you know there people come from norway and from britain yeah and, from and it's Europe. really so far it's, it's always been a country of immigrants yeah. coming in and you know contributing to the culture and yeah. you know that, that that's where a lot of um yeah so so the idea that you know there's this one uniform monochrome Dutch culture that should be yeah. imposed on uh, that, you know, that everyone should be exposed to and it should be a sort of regimented system of yeah. uh, you know, sort of giving people this Dutch stamp I think yeah. it's not um, yeah, it's not as progressive as it sounds at first yeah uh, no first I agree light, with that so. yeah and <clears throat> so but, had... but coming back to children yeah I mean all for supporting families and actually helping them integrate into Dutch society and certainly helping their children um, grow up speaking Dutch fluently and being aware of Dutch customs and traditions, but it doesn't have to be at the expense of their domestic culture. This is not a zero sum game. Yeah, you know, I think that's that that's a, that's where I have uh, the problem. That's where I draw the line, and that's why you know I, I think it's very strange that the Dutch government, while on the one hand wants to have this um, integrationist approach to raising small children, at the same time is saying to immigrants. Um, groups, you know, you can't have any role in this. You, yeah. know, you can't, you can't, you can't be teaching your children your culture next to the Dutch culture. That's somehow eroding yeah. their Dutch identity. No, it just seems. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing just like smacks of basically like racism, and like you're just not going to make people feel happy in a place if you fe- if they feel like they're yeah. constantly being like looked over you know having their shoulders looked over about yeah. what they're like raising their children to yeah. do I think, I think the basic rule here is you can change people's habits but you shouldn't be um, messing with their actual identity yeah you, know? you can be you can still and a lot of people who come to this country from muslim countries do so because they, they want to live in a freer society right they want to live in a free society you know as muslims yeah that's not a problem in, inherently right. unless you choose to make it one. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that like they, this perception that you said that somehow Dutch culture is superior, but like when you sort of dig down on this, like it's really hard to identify like quote, what, like what is Dutch culture exactly? Yes. Like what are these cultures that they're like, you know, the Danish model I suspect has the same problem. I've never lived in Denmark, but we had a friend for dinner last night. Right. And um, we got onto the subject of politics and our friend, does not believe in representative democracy. He thinks it should all be direct democracy, mm-hmm. right? And, like, my partner believes 
weirdly strongly, I was like sort of unaware of this until last night, that like there should be like a political class of people that like we have nominated. We defer to, to, basically. So they want to move to Britain, basically. Yeah, kind of. Or Britain in the 1960s. But both of these people, I mean, they're like similar aged. They're both Dutch. They were both born and raised in these countries. And like, you know, they don't agree on this like very fundamental sort of foundational issue of like how you run democracy. So like, which of them is espousing yeah. Dutch culture? Indeed. Like, what of these are Dutch values? But this is the thing. I think you always have this with these integration arguments that, that um, and, and with the uh, Inbuchingsgutz and all yeah. the rest of it. The, 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 the demands um, imposed on immigrants to, uh, to change their habits and their culture and to integrate get greater and greater. You can never be enough. You can never actually achieve yeah. everything the government uh, demands of you because yeah. every time you actually do, they, they, they stick another layer on top. Yeah. You know, and, and that's how integration moves towards assimilation. And one of the best assimilated ethnic groups Groups in the whole of history with the with the with the German Jews in the turn of the twentieth century. Right, look how you that worked to, you out. You only have to them. play the tape forward a very short distance to see the fundamental flaw in an approach. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, 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 this resentment never goes away. And you no. can't deal with it by in, in, imposing this kind of a. Um, yeah, this very rigid idea of your home culture yeah. on, um, on them, and plus, as you say, you know, one of the things that's always brought up in this kind of uh, these endless culture wars discussions is you know the the fact that uh, we in the West have a much more enlightened attitude towards women, and yet there's a political party in the Netherlands which, until a couple of years ago, was fighting in the courts for the right not to have to have put women on its list of candidates right. which is the you know, the orthodox uh, christian sgp yeah. you know one of the most <laughs> traditionalist dutch parties right. that exists yeah. so that aspect of dutch culture dutch culture is actually very similar in many ways yeah. to the kind of cultures that we view as backward and uh, undesirable yeah well and i mean you know we can have a separate discussion about like the treatment of women in this country but like you know there there are problems and like the fact that you know those problems are not discussed as, you know, also things that should be worked on just sort of shows the kind of like inherent racism and like sort of these things. Yeah. So coming back to um, uh, actual preschooling, which yeah. is what we were, <laughs> this discussion was, is about, are there really problems? So during the debate, Veve Day and Pei Benta Becker claimed that 60% of children with language deficits at school come from a migrant background. Though the quote that she gave the Telegraph was that 60% of disadvantaged children come from a migrant background. So I looked yesterday, I couldn't find a study that like backs up these numbers exactly. It is true that some immigrants groups in the Netherlands do make up a disproportionate amount of like financially disadvantaged people um, and that they are less successful at school and in the workforce. Um, I don't know if I buy that that's like a quote language deficiency. Um, The reason that I don't buy this is because none of these politicians are arguing that quote unquote expat kids should be attending preschool, even though they're like clearly disadvantaged in Dutch, right? Because the the overarching argument that they were trying to make about the preschool is is that, well, if you have people who are not speaking Dutch at home, their kids are like at a language disadvantage Mm -hmm. when they go to school, Um, which I guess seems like a thing that could like make some sense. Like, I don't know that I disagree with that premise entirely, but then by the same token, I mean, you know, if I was, if Gordon, if you and I had had kids together, thank God we didn't, didn't. um, you know, we would have spoken English to them at home. Mm. And so they would have been in like the exact same situation as like the kids of two Syrian refugee children who are here. Um, Except that the, the crucial thing is you have more more access to the mainstream Dutch community right. and therefore you would get help and support. 
exactly with your kids um yeah you know, at schools that they would be more likely to be accepted into the classroom yeah. and the community and uh, therefore they wouldn't be at such a disadvantage and this is kind of this is what it comes down to yeah i think i don't know the figures in detail but i think almost certainly it will show that um areas with high levels of poverty are also areas with high levels of migration yeah and a lot of um, migrants especially migrants on the lower end of the income and education spectrum uh, are living in pretty isolated lives and yeah. don't have a lot of exposure to dutch language yeah. culture and everyday life so definitely anything that helps them integrate uh, is got to be a good thing but it's, it's fundamentally this problem is far more to do with poverty and class yeah. than it is to do with uh, you know your cultural background yeah i agree yeah. with that um and i do agree that like more integration is good but this is like not the way to go about integration yeah indeed so yeah so preschool is good but um racist yeah. preschool is not <laughs> indeed that is that is the official the official, official line of dutch news of the dutch news podcast yeah. preschool is good racist preschool is bad that's all that we have for you this week This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. My thanks to Gordon Derrick, not to Paul Paters, although I guess maybe I should thank him a little bit for writing the Ophef script. Yeah, that was a good Ophef script, and he's going to be doing some editing. Yeah, he'll be doing some editing. I guess he's not so bad. I'm Molly Quell. We'll be back next week. (laughs) 